Hello and welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. I'm your host, Trey Scott, joined by college basketball's all-time career assist king, Jerry Meyer. Jerry, it's good to be back. How are you doing? I'm doing great. <clears throat> Getting ready to hit the road, do some scouting this weekend. Yeah? Yeah, I'll be in Atlanta for the Nike EYBL. Evaluation period? Yep. Yeah, the coaches are out. Um so it's starting. Should be good. Uh, before yep. we get started, guys, and today is a uh, recruiting-heavy podcast. I'm excited about it. We'd love for you to take a moment and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. We're also available on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening to us on the 24-7 Sports Media Player, just uh, hover over the subscribe button, and you'll find the podcast uh, avenue in which to listen to us. Jerry. Let's get going. The uh, the Blue Bloods have had a busy week on the recruiting trail. North Carolina earlier this week, perhaps its biggest day on the trail in like a decade. They get Cole Anthony, the number three player in the 24-7 sports composite for the class of 2019, and they get Anthony Harris, number 65, on the same day. So can we finally bury, bury the uh, North Carolina doesn't recruit one and done narrative? <clears throat> yeah, I've never really been big on that narrative. I don't think it's that they didn't try – or they can't, uh, I think the big factor was the investigation and the threat that, you know, that they were going to get some type of probation or penalties. I think that scared some people away, and I think they just kind of went through a dry spell. But we can definitely say that Cole Anthony is a one-and-done, so if getting him buries it, then it's buried. Well, yeah, and they got Naz Little last year. I was looking at the 2017 class, so I guess two years ago, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but – I don't know any of these names. Jalik Felton, Garrison Brooks, Brandon Huffman, Andrew Plotik, Sterling Manley. So you're right in that the investigation seems to have at one point, that class was 19th nationally, really crippled their recruiting efforts. And I remember you telling me that a few years ago. You're like, you know, I don't, I don't know how North Carolina is going to be able to recruit going yeah. forward with all this smoke. That was then. And then we see LSU now. And – I don't think getting put on probation or the threat of that matters much anymore in recruiting. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, look at how Louisville recruited during uh, their scandals. Arizona has like when the they had the thing with class. The, yeah, the yeah, Arizona. Yeah, I mean, I think most players think they're one and done, or a lot of them. I mean, they're not, even guys that aren't one and done. I don't know how many are thinking four years. Right. Um, but it's, I don't know, it's food for thought. <laughs> it's whatever, whatever the penalties are or are not for recruiting violations don't seem to be that effective. I feel like this, you know, in college football, Kelly Bryant transferred from Clemson to Mizzou. They get put on an NCAA sanction. They have a bowl ban. And he, like, doesn't even care. He's like, I'm yeah. staying. So I think you're right. And especially in college basketball, like, are you – is Cole Anthony making his college decision based on, you know, he wants to make a March Madness run? I mean, probably yes, but – I think he just assumes he's going to do that. Yeah, but this is, you know, the best place for him right. to play. Let's talk about him. He's probably a different player than Kobe White. Um, Yeah, he's different. To me, he's – how would I put it? Maybe a little more complete as a point guard. He is more complete than Kobe. I thought Kobe did a great job as a point guard but the, <clears throat> this year, but he wasn't really envisioned as that. He had a lot to prove. You know, is he just a scorer? Cole's game's a little smoother, which isn't necessarily better because <clears throat> um, I love that herky-jerky 
sort of off-rhythm game of Kobe White's. But, you know, more of a traditional point guard is how I would term Cole Anthony um, a better leaper. He gets more elevation. Because he's a great rebounder. Very good rebounder. That's one of the things I love about Cole Anthony. I think the ability of a point guard to rebound is enormous. And he can definitely do that. So, you know, they're, they're both great talents. I think Cole's a little better. Cole, Cole's one of the best point guards, if not the very best point guard I've scouted. Can he? Do you think he can? Oh, that's okay. I, I maybe circle back to that in a second. Um, do you do you see him being able to run that forty minutes of heel system as well as Kobe did? Is he? A, is yeah, he a I think he'll guy? run it better. Run it better. Okay, and I would think so. I mean, Kobe did a great job, but um, Cole Anthony is just a tremendous point guard. Yeah, you know, I think Kobe if. Kobe and Cole had played together. Oh, my gosh. Well, that would be a serious backcourt. But I just like Cole a little better. And I'm a huge Kobe White guy. I mean, I loved him when I scouted him. Such a big shot maker. But, um, yes, I'm on team Cole Anthony for sure. I want to kind of go back to do players care about, you know, the probations, the sanctions, the possibilities of that. Mm -hmm. We look at do they care about championships, March Madness runs, you, you think players now are a little bit more professionally focused? Yeah, and they're on a career path where I would argue, like in my era when I played ball 25, 30 years ago, and you weren't, I mean, I wasn't because I knew I wasn't you know, going to be an NBA player. I had a chance to play overseas. But, you know, I went to, I went to five-star camps. I was around more elite players than I was. And it's the, those guys were just playing basketball and weren't, didn't really have a vision or a plan for past college. Now, with the structure of grassroots basketball, you know, you got LeBron running camps, Chris Paul's running a camp, Steph Curry's running a camp. Well, they, these guys are getting a ton of information and they're learning a pathway to become a millionaire. You know, they're learning a career path. And it's being ingrained in them, the seriousness of it, how they need to behave off the court, you know, keeping taking care of business on and off the court. And so when it gets to recruiting, you know, ability to win a national championship or the threat of probation or sanctions uh, by the NCAA is, is the – quite low on the list I think I think they're focused on development improving the, at their craft you know it's they're on a career path do you think is the best way I can put it and, and there's this is just a small step college right or maybe not a small step but it's a step just literally to an one ultimate year. goal and of course the top ones are thinking one year and there's some guys that are thinking one that end up staying another year and there's some guys that are thinking two or three that might end up at one but Man, fewer I – mean, you know, when you talk about, say, a top 100 basketball player in the country, I doubt very few of them – they might – who knows what answer they're going to give you, but in their heart of hearts, I doubt they're thinking I'm going to be there four years. Speak, well, yeah, you're right. Because 233 players filed for early entry into this year's <laughs> That's a draft. lot of guys. That doesn't include <laughs> seniors. So, 233 – So, basically almost 100 per class. Right. 
And you know, there's so. obviously 60 spots, so yeah. you know, maybe the G League is going to be something worthwhile. I think the G, I think the G League, G League will develop. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a deal where guys are like, oh, I'm not even going to go to college and go to the G League. That's how, how, how the question's always framed that way when I'm asked, you know, is, are kids going to pick G League over college? I, th- I think it should be more, are they going to leave college early? And if it doesn't work out, well, I'll play in the G League. Yeah. I, and, it's, I, and it's not a bad living. And you're in the system and you're getting developed and you're a true professional. 233 is a staggering number. 175 of these are college underclassmen, 58 is international. Okay. And again, like even if you hire an agent now, you can still withdraw by May 29th. Yeah, so it's a kind of a no-brainer. But uh, yeah, it's, but, but it shows where the mentality is. Right, yeah. You, and, it, and it's a business again, and it's probably it's the right decision. Why wouldn't you test the waters? Right. It's, it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as long as teams will have you work out for them. Because every year there's – I mean, this is – every year there's a, a guy who we're like, who? And But he has, like, some first-round agreement with some team at, like, number 23 overall. Yeah. Don't work out for anyone else. We're going to pick you. But at 233 is a lot, and it kind of tells you where college basketball is going. And if you're a college basketball fan, I think it's time to stop. You know, Virgi- I, th- I know a few Virginia fans, and they were a little bit, oh, Kyle Guy's going to actually stay in the draft? Gonna... But Kyle Guy Kyle Guy's gone, dude. He's gone. Because <laughs> he wants to be a pro. He wants to make a million dollars plus. You know, it's, it's, I don't think it's that complicated. And I understand it hurts. You're a fan of a school, you're losing a guy. But I mean, I guess what we're, we are addressing a new mentality, a different framework of viewing things with players today compared to, say, 20, 30 years ago. Speaking of a school that is used to losing everybody, and I think it's safe to say they will probably lose almost everyone from their 20, this upcoming 2019 class, which ranks number one nationally. Duke got Matthew Hurt, the number eight player in the country, and Cassius Stanley, number 29 player last week. Talk to me about these guys. Let's start with Hurt, six foot nine, power forward. Yeah, <clears throat> you're kind of your typical stretch four man. Um, can really shoot. Can do a little bit off the dribble as well, and passes the ball well. He's just a very skilled player. Not the quickest, um, laterally or really straight ahead. But I mean, runs pretty good. He's mobile. But as far as lateral quickness, not the quickest. I think he prefers uh, to defend in the interior. But that's the question on him is defense. Is he big enough, strong enough, which he eventually will be, to defend down low? But, it, you know, it will be a question for him as a freshman at Duke. Um, is he going to be able to def- defend in the interior? And then is he going how is he going to do in pick-and-roll situations when he has to get on the perimeter? But offense is not an issue. Highly skilled. May – you know, thinking comparisons. Yeah, who does he remind you of? Well – the way I like to phrase it is a certain player comes to mind because okay. that's kind of how it works. You know, it and gives the viewer or the listener an example yeah, of who you're Well, thinking. Kyle Singler is a guy. And, you know, and I th- thought of him because of Duke. But, I mean, he kind of popped up. You know, a guy's 6'9 and can shoot and do some different stuff. I think Kyle, a little quicker, a little better laterally uh, than Hurt. Hurt, possibly a better rebounder. Possibly. Kyle Singler was a pretty good rebounder. But he, he's a guy that comes to mind. Cassius Stanley. Luke Babbitt. That's Luke another Babbitt. guy. Remember old Luke Babbitt from Nevada? So Hurst got a stroke. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that, there we go. Yeah, that's why you use comparisons. Thank you. Because <laughs> Babbitt can really shoot it. Probably more of a Babbitt-type shooter, actually. But um, that's his calling card. 
Uh, he's really going to stretch the defense for Duke. Could have used that this year. He's going to be nice and you know at the top of the key for him. Cassius Stanley, Jerry. This is going to be kind of a crowded backcourt. They've already got Boogie Ellis. They've got Trey Jones coming mm-hmm. back. Let's give me your what, what you think about Cassius, and then let's kind of weave into how you think Duke might play with these guys. Yeah, Cassius, um, talented, very athletic. A guy that's kind of left scouts sort of wanting as a way to put it. Like, you know. That sounds like Cam Reddish. (laughs) Well, well, there we go. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because you just see, like, he's a guy who you'll scout him. He'll have two or three plays, and you're like, oh, my gosh. You know, what did that guy just do? And, but then too many periods when you're scouting him when, you're not seeing production. Not a lot's going on. So he needs to be coached up, and he's going to be good. He's talented, but he it's it's a question mark. And um, I imagine he'll play the three for him. Um, Wayne Wayne Elliott came to mind. I mean Wayne Ellington. Okay, so you came to mind. Too. I'm sure Duke fans don't want to hear that name <clears throat> as a former Tar Heel, but. Um, he, he was a guy, as I said, who came to mind for me. You know, just sort of a lanky, athletic, on the slender side, 6'5"-ish, you know, wing scorer guy. Duke's class, five players all within the top 32. And when you look at it, it's exactly what it wasn't last year, where it was just like this top-loaded, you know, tri- trifecta of guys. Like I guess they had Trey Jones, too, but... It's funny, like, you could go down, you fill every position here. You have Boogie Ellis, who is a combo guard, but you, he could play point. Mm-hmm. Cassius Stanley, shooting guard. Wendell Moore, small forward. Matthew Hurt, power forward. Vernon Carey, center. Yeah. And then Trey Jones, obviously, is probably going to be your starting point guard, so one of those guys will be coming off the bench. Do you – what are your expectations for this Duke basketball team? Well, they should be year? good. They, they – I mean, it's going to be so different because of the R.J. Barrett and Zion effect being gone. Uh, which was uh, quite an anomaly in a very unique situation. Good or bad different? I don't know. I mean, I think Coach K would be fine not losing Zion and R.J. Barrett. I don't know how it will be better, but it's going to be different. But, yeah, Duke might go further next year. You know, it, it never works out exactly how you think it's going to work. You know, the best team – a lot of programs have had, like, their best team or people argue like this year this was this was their, our best team a lot of those teams didn't win the national championship you know like whatever happened they get knocked out and then another team maybe less talented does so yeah Duke, Duke could be very good I I'm intrigued to see how they play style of play I think you have a real high low um, presence with Vernon Carey and Matthew Hurt is both guys can shoot it and both guys can post up I mean Vernon Carey's a good shooter as well not the level of, of hurt, but I think you're going to see it's going to look a little more like Kansas basketball. I think, like you know, high working the high low, and then ball screens for Trey Jones at the point. The wings are going to be the ancillary guys, you know, just spotting up and shooting is going to be key to see. You know, all that athleticism that say Cash Stanley has is great, but. Is he going to pay off with rebounds? Is he going to be able to knock down spot-up shots? Because I think I think that's what we're going to see is a little more stationary on the wing, high ball screens for Trey Jones, and then 
doing a lot of high-low game and interchanging with the big guys. Kentucky wants in on our uh, blue, blood, blue blood discussion. Yeah. Johnny Juzang is reclassifying from 2020 mm-hmm. to 2019 per R. Evan Daniels. He's the number 21 player in the class of 2020. He's visiting Kentucky next week. The Cats already have the number three class in the country. What about his game sticks out? Uh, shooting. He's a big, strong wing. He rebounds. I mean, he averages almost 10 rebounds a game or did in the high school season. And he shot it very well and rebounded well on the summer circuit playing for the Compton Magic. Uh, he can stroke and he's 6'6 and strong. So, you know, he's just that sturdy kind of big wing. Not the quickest guy, not the most explosive, you know, just a solid athlete. But as soon as Kentucky offered him, it was just strange. It was the timing. It wasn't very normal. So, yeah, I immediately threw a crystal ball pick on Kentucky because it just, it just stood out too much. Kentucky's not going to do a special visit like this. Not it was that special of a visit. But you could tell there was a sense of urgency because they visit him, boom, offers there. Normally, Cal, Coach Cal would be like, okay, you know, we love you. We're going to watch you play this coming weekend, you know, and evaluate you this spring and make sure it's the right fit, and then we'll offer you. So just the how rapid that offer came out was a real red flag. And I'm then, not a red flag as in bad, but, man, it got my attention. And now knowing he's reclassifying, it's, it kind of feels like a no-brainer. Right. Well, that's where he's headed. Caleb Polonsky on Twitter asks, prediction on Juzang now that he's reclassified Kentucky mm-hmm. is, you know, your pick, you're the lead expert on that, Jerry. Uh, 86% Kentucky, it seems like it'd yeah, be a shocker. If there's he, been some more picks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's just – it's too obvious. We're going to take a quick break to hear a message from our uh, sponsors. When we come back, we will have more questions answered by Jerry Meyer. Welcome back to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. I'm Trey Scott, joined by, of course, Jerry Meyer. Jerry, we're getting into some reader questions from Twitter. Steve Halwagen asks, Can Chris Holtman get the Buckeyes back to where they were under Thad Mata? I would think so, but... My, uh, Ohio State had quite a run there when they had Conley and Greg Oden and that crew. Um, but I see no reason why not. I think Chris is a very good coach, and they're going to have to make the right decisions recruiting-wise. The, the recruiting hasn't been super high-powered. I think it's been good, and I don't know that it has to be super high-powered for Ohio State to you know to be really good, but you got to get the right guys. You know that's the whole trick there. But it you know we talk about as good as they were under Mata. We're talking Greg Oden. Well, and then we're it, talking five stars. And then again with Jared Solinger. <laughs> yeah. I think like kids coming up now probably Solinger, good good one. Don't you remember know, B.J. Mullins didn't get a ton out of him, but he was you know McDonald's All American. So there probably does, you know, safe to say there needs to be a little bit of an uptick in recruiting. Yeah, they – like, if you're coming up now, you probably don't regard Ohio State as just, like, college basketball powerhouse, but – At one time, they were. At one time, they were. Like, Mm -hmm. they were a fixture in the Elite Eight. They were almost always on the top top line of the NCAA tournament. That 2010 class had Sullinger and Aaron Kraft and Sean Thomas. and Diebler was was a good player for them. It really hasn't been like that since. They did have a a good class – in 2015 under Thad Mata, but that one kind of flamed out. That was the Austin Grand stuff year. So we'll see. They've made yeah. the NCAA tournament twice but, yeah. in two years, which well, is Well, Holtman nice. can coach. If he gets the talent, they are going to be good. Because I don't, I have no questions about his coaching ability. But 
We'll see if they can get the ringers. David K. Gutierrez asks, how do you see Bill Self filling up all of his open scholarships for next season's class at Kansas? Tucker, Hampton, others. So R.J. Hampton's a 2020 prospect. Yeah, but he's probably going to reclass the five. That's that's the rage right now. <laughs> well, and again, back to I mean, this sort of a theme here, back to the different mentality. I mean, players now are preparing to reclass. So, like, basically, like, they multiply their options. So, yeah, I could go to this school as a 2019, or do I wait it out 2020? <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of fascinating. <clears throat> but that's the word on Hampton. Plus, they all want to play AU for a summer, which I don't blame them. It's, that's how much fun and, dude, it's great competition. Like, this, you know, like there are guys right now sitting in class. All they can think about is tomorrow when they play their first game in the Nike UIBL. I mean, I'm not you know, in front of the coaches, first game in front of the coaches. But it, it's a big deal. So, yeah, a lot of players, they want to play <clears throat> that uh, on the circuit going into their senior year and then maybe choose a school right before the senior year. Is it more fun to play when you don't have high school looming after? Is that what, is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I'm just saying they want to play. Gotcha. So, like, I think some of these guys know – like. Hypothetically, I don't know this for a fact, but there's a let's say there's a very good chance, speculation here, that R.J. Hampton knows he's going to reclassify to 2019. He's just not going to make the decision now because and he wants to play in the Nike YBL. Oh. I mean, it's a great opportunity to get better. It's great competition. It's fun. So, so that that's what I meant by that. Explain the reclassification process for me. You hear this <laughs> I don't every know, year. I don't understand it. Everyone's doing it. Marvin I, Bagley well, did it. When Gosh, I was, Higgins. yeah, yeah, okay. Well, we can talk around it. I mean, Bagley's situation. Uh, the information I got is he did a ton of online stuff to get credits, and you know, if they were accepted, he, and he gets the test score, he's okay. I mean, you got to get your core curriculum, and you know, perhaps, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> These guys do it. I don't exactly know how. It seems I mean, like I'm maybe summer school. It doesn't seem to be a, nothing but a thing. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden. I mean, you asked a very – I'm laughing because, like, that was just a great – it's one of those obvious, simple questions that, in a way, is profound because of that. Because I'm sitting there thinking, you know, maybe I should have been thinking about this. You know, like, I, I just I just know they do it. And once you hear talk about it, you know they can. How they're pulling it off, I you know, I have not investigated All it. of a sudden you wind up with, like – you know, 30 extra hours of, of credit. I wish I, you know, we could have all reclassified and just skipped that extra year of high school. <laughs> it yeah. happens a lot. You know, Ashton Hagen's at Kentucky. There's I way mean, more see, is it a lot? Is it not a lot? I mean, this makes me want to crunch the numbers now. It's probably the I really top, look at the analytics like a few top tier guys every year. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the right way to put it. Like a couple Was top. Was Barrett? Yeah, I think he did it earlier. Yeah, he reclassified. I'm, and, well, and then the Canadian factor, their like, system, I guess, is different. I don't know. Summer school, I guess, the internet age. So can I mean, you can get credit doing online stuff. I think that's how they do it, you know? Yeah. And I think, it's, you know, a lot of college students do do that anyway. Uh, Kansas, not recruiting very but, well right now. So to, to get to this question, um, all the Blue Bloods want Hampton – Kind of the thought is right now. I think it's Memphis is trending in his crystal ball because Penny and Mike Miller are in there. 
Um, Let's talk about Tucker. I, w- I would look at the Tucker guy. I think grad transfers at this time of year is likely where people are going. Memphis is all the rage right now. Yeah, they are. Are they? <laughs> I mean, why? Jalen Green, you know, he's Memphis is trending for him. He's a top tier 2020 player, shooting guard out of California. Yeah, Memphis is going to go nationwide. And then people are going to say, well, why do you want to go to Memphis? They don't play in a Power Five. Co-. Kids aren't, they don't think that way. They, they want to play for Penny, they want to play for Mike Miller. As an assistant, you know, guys that are pros that have convinced them they can um, develop them, you know. It's like Stackhouse, like some player's going to be like, well, he's never coached college before. That's not, the fans are saying that, but the recruits are not. Memphis has a number 11 class in the country right now, led obviously by James Wiseman, and mm-hmm. they are a crystal ball favorite for Trenton Watford. Right, but he's trending. Yeah, Watford's the big in the news one right now because of the LSU element. LSU's trending right now. They've gotten the last seven picks. So what what happened with Watford? His at one time he's going to go to Alabama. Is what everyone's thinking. You know, local guy. He's going to end up at Bama. But then there's a coaching change, and along with that, uh, the Penny effect. And so then. Everyone was thinking Memphis. Memphis starts trending. Then all of a sudden, LSU gets their claws in there, and, wow, LSU took over the crystal ball. Then Will Wade um, gets suspended. Boom. You know, me included, because I didn't think there's any way Will Wade would be back. So I'm like, well, I need to change my pick to Memphis. And then Wade gets back (laughs) and is reinstated. So game back on. And now LSU's trending. But I think it's, what, 53% Memphis, 47%. Yep. Um, LSU. And some people are speculating that LSU is waiting for more to come out. Well, they're hoping it doesn't. But the waiting for more to come out, then they could fire or terminate Will Wade with cause mm-hmm. and save themselves a lot of money. So I'm sure – you know, the people recruiting against LSU right now are like, are you sure – are you really sure Will Wade's going to be there? So, I think there's still some questions there. But, anyway, that's how it, that's how it rests with Watford. That's they, a fascinating one to watch then. Yeah, and, and because he, he had planned to announce, and then I'm pretty sure there, were, there was cause and effect here. I mean, he didn't say it, but I'm speculating. They reinstated Will Wade, so he pushed back his announcement because I think – you know, wants to make sure. Like, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. okay, oh, wow, okay, now I probably want to go to LSU. Again, speculating here. I probably want to go to LSU, but – and they brought Wade back, but is he – you know, is this going to stick? Someone asks – it's actually Eric who asks, uh, put for me on Twitter, where will Precious Achuiwa go? I've just butchered that. <laughs> yeah, Precious Achua. I'm not going to correct you. It was good enough. You have your crystal ball Achua, pick. It's a tough one. For Memphis. There we, yeah, Memphis again. So what's your That's on a that speculation, one? especially if Watford goes to LSU, you know, then Precious to Memphis. But um, He's the number 13 player in the country. Yeah, very, very athletic. Um, in, in and out, some – he fades might be a way to put it. Like again, kind of like what I said with Cash Stanley, makes some great plays. And you're like, wow, 
And then there's 10 minutes where like, where's Precious? Is Oh, he's out there? <laughs> oh, I thought he was on the bench. Okay, that's not a good sign. Um, you know, and there's questions of how good he is in the half court. You know, is the basketball IQ and I guess the total package um, skill-wise, does it come together to be effective in the half court? But a great talent and a ton of schools would love to have the opportunity to develop him. We'll wrap up here. Last one. Johnny Carr 13 asks, this is an interesting one. Why don't teams run more zone? And how many college teams coaches have won national championships playing mostly zone? This comes on. Yeah, the- good question. I remember when I saw that, I liked it. Um, I mean, Bayheim and Syracuse is the only one I can really come up with that. I mean, there's very few teams that their primary defense is zone. Now you see a lot of, Call it matchup zones, switching man to man. Um, you know, there's different ter- ways to call it, but we're guys basically man to man principles. But you're doing a lot of switching. You're handing guys off. You're trying to stay in the area. I guess it's a matchup zone. <laughs> uh, you see that a lot now, but you know, there's probably a ton we could say about you know that question. One thing that sticks out to me is I think most coaches prefer man-to-man because of the of the aggressive nature. And they want to dictate. And they want a certain mentality of aggression in their players that, you know, man-to-man is more conducive to Did. than playing zone. But you see a lot of coaches melding the two defenses together where it's like a hybrid you know, I guess matchup zone is the term we'll go with right now. Did we see any of that melding in the national title game, the defenses of Virginia and Texas Tech, or those strictly? Um, uh, you know, I would go pretty much strictly man-to-man um, because it, there's some switching that takes place, but it's not an emphasis necessarily to guard, to, to stay in an area. So my man goes, sets a really good screen anywhere on the court, we might need to switch, you know, just basic defense there, you know. You could hedge and fight over, and, you know, we don't need to get that technical. Uh, in a matchup zone, you're more wanting to stay in an area on the court. Texas Tech does some really unique stuff in bringing all their help from the baseline. I think that's very unique. Like, so if, if a guy catches the ball in the low post, almost everyone, <clears throat> if they double the post, they come from on top. Texas Tech sneaks the guy down on the baseline. And so the post player forces forces the post player to go to the baseline side, expecting help to be there. They funnel, they try to ice, is the term, ball screens down to the baseline side. That's a little different than what Virginia does. But no, it's both teams' basic pack line, man to man principles with you know Texas Tech doing a little more tweaking. Good stuff, Jerry. That'll do it today on the uh, 24-7 Sports College yep. Basketball Show. We're going to try to get back next week with a rundown of the soon-to-be-updated final top 247 for the class of 2019. Yep. So that should be we'll some good, good analysis and discussion. Jerry, it was a good time. Yep. Kind of make, every time we do this, it makes me want to hit the court. I, I mean, I, <laughs> maybe go down to Severe Park or something yep. and play with the NFL draft hopefuls. There we go. Um, we probably should hit the court. We should have a celebrity game one day. Yeah. A little two-on-two. If any celebs are listening, just let us know, and we'll get you on the podcast and go play a game. All right, that'll do it for us. Talk to you all later.